Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? But I love, right? <laughs> I love Roy and Keeley. I'm obsessed with everything that's happening with them. Uh-huh. I love the fact that she was like, he's everywhere. He's following me around. Like, yeah. just the way that they solved it, the way that they, mm-hmm. I love the fact that Jamie what... is just like, like, again, like kind of spelling it out for Roy. And of course we know it as an audience, but mm-hmm. the way he's delivering it is like, I'm literally talking about nothing else. Like, right. what are you deriving from this? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on in you? And then Roy is just like, well, fuck. And like, we, oh my God, it's so good. That's, it's so I, good. I told you about the tweet that was like, Ted Lasso isn't about Ted Lasso. It's about Roy, Roy fucking Kenny. <laughs> <Roy. laughs> I love Roy and yes. Keely. Yeah, truly. All right. Well, that's our Ted Lasso podcast. Anyway. Uh, gonna stay say, safe. Sorry. Stay happy, y'all. <laughs> stay safe. Do God's mission. Mm-hmm. All right, should we talk well, about this, this other show? <laughs> yes. Where our characters are not nice and kind. Oh, we have a we protagonist have a... who's an absolute piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> For no reason. The worst. This is the worst version of Corey, I think, in this I episode. Think, I think, honestly, this whole season so far has yeah. been the worst of the Yes, this is for sure the worst version of Corey ever. And I think that this episode, I could be wrong, but it does feel like in this episode, I we witness the absolute worst version of this character over the course of seven seasons. Like, I know that's yeah. a bold statement. No, we have fair. watched the first agree. six seasons at this point, and I can't think of a lower moment. Even when he pushes his dad down, this is worse. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is worse in, like, his him version of himself between the way he treats Alexandra, mm-hmm. the way he treats his classmates, the way yeah. he treats his dad, yeah. like, the way he treats his sister. Like, everything about it in this episode is the worst version of Corey there is. Yeah, I would agree. Fucking terrible. That. And we're supposed to like come around by the end of this or something? No, I'm still I, mad I'm at him. still upset. I'm still mad at him. Fucking asshole. All right. Still mad at him even going into the next episode where again he is. Where he's so still trash. Oh, we have like a triple, a triple head right here with a asshole Corey. Last episode, this episode, and the next episode. He's just awful. He's it's really, just awful. It's really hard to root for this character in any shape, form, or fashion. Mm-hmm. So we're, this is the Feeney call, and we're talking oh, about... Oh, this is the <laughs> um, And despite whatever the fuck you've been listening to <laughs> for the last or however long it's been, um, we are here to talk about Boy Meets World Season 6, Episode 5. I almost said 4. I this, know you did. Class. I saw your hand make the 4 shape, I did and make I was a like, four, it was a 5. And I threw up in... Anyway, Season 6, Episode 5. Average something, Corey. <laughs> Smarter than the average bear. <laughs> <laughs> smarter than the average bear better than the average Corey. Uh, yeah it's, which is a, a joke on smarter than yes. the average bear uh-huh. <laughs> close enough they're like the same yeah Ooh, do i have strong feelings and thoughts yeah. on this episode thoughts and feelings All before we get started i want to talk about alexandra nikita sure because she really is an artist in real life as you and i know but for our listeners who potentially don't know she was born in 1985 she's actually two months uh, younger than Lindsay Ridgway, who is, they're supposed to be in the same show, but for some reason she looks like she's significantly older than Lindsay. By, so she was born in 85, by 1996, she had sold $1.5 million worth of paintings. In 97, she was on the Oprah show, which I think is why she was on this show, is mm-hmm. because at that point then, she was like a hot commodity. Yeah. 
especially as far as like child stars and child prodigies. Mm-hmm. And since this is a children oriented show, they were probably like, let's bring in the child prodigy of the nineties. Yeah. I have a strong opinion and that is that she shouldn't have been on the show and they should have fictionalized a character based off of her. That's fair. Because she's a terrible actor. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she <laughs> yes. Is. I understand she's playing herself yeah. and I understand that acting is not her medium. So all of that is fine, but she is outrageously taller than Morgan and is unbelievably the same age. I understand that those two humans are in fact fact the same same age, age. but but Lindsay Ridgway has been cast to play younger than her age. Mm -hmm. All right. Like she was not cast to play a 15 year old, 16 year old. What is she was born in 85. This aired in 99. This aired in 98. So she's uh, yes, ninety eight. So she, they both as humans are thirteen, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Lindsay Ridgeway looks ten, mm-hmm. and Alexandra Nikita looks sixteen. Yeah, and they are both in fact thirteen, and I think they're both supposed to be playing thirteen. About well, because Alexandra Nikita, who is playing herself, is supposed to be thirteen. So I guess Morgan. So I guess we are we're supposed to believe that Morgan is thirteen, which I guess checks out because if Morgan is thirteen. Means that she's means five she's years younger probably, than Corey. 18. Yeah. Corey says he's 18. Yeah, I guess he has a winter birthday. Because this is, I guess, supposed to happen like right after school yeah. This is fairly early in the semester yeah. still, I think, yeah. So, yeah, I guess Morgan is supposed to be 13. Like, that's where we're supposed to place her. They just always make her feel like she's they, 11. They dress her so poorly mm-hmm. and like, yes, she's very short, but... Even if they like stopped dressing her in doll clothes, yeah. it's the also I feel like it's the like platinum blonde hair, yeah, which I'm sure is like I mean she's so precious. I don't want to that sounds bad, but at the same time, like I think that's part of what makes her look well as an younger. actor, like as a professional actor, a very very good thing, right? Like mm-hmm. oh hey, I'm 13, but I can still very viably play nine, oh, yeah. 10, you know, like. Or as she gets older, like even by the end of the show when she's like 15 years old, could mm-hmm. still easily play 10, mm-hmm. which is like ideal if you're producing, all right, yeah. is to have a 15 year old play 10 instead of a 10 year old play 10. Mm-hmm. But it just, it all looks weird in this episode. It all yeah. looks weird. And I think that they should have just fictionalized an artist who is obviously based on Alexander Nikita yeah. and uh, have done it that way because then you would have had an actor mm-hmm. who acts. And you would have had someone who actually like looks like they might be the same age as Morgan. Yeah. And I I would I think I would agree with you if um I mean the reason that I'm sure the this episode in particular got a lot of recognition because she was in it. You think so? You think at the time that was like a big get? You think I that mean, like she was just on the Oprah show. I think honestly from their standpoint, I think it's good marketing. You know what it, it probably was more of? What? Disney and ABC probably had her under some sort of licensing agreement and we're gonna pay for her to show up in a show because this feels like when the fucking monkeys are on Boy Meets World and then it's like your it's core true. audience your doesn't care. I don't even think it's for your parents. I don't... Th- oh, my mom loved it. She was okay. successful. Uh, I don't know. I, I, she was like, oh my God, the monkeys! She was like, oh, oh, she was loving The it. monkeys part. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, Talking yeah, about yeah, Alexander yeah. Nikita, I'm like, I don't even think your parents care. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I understand that she was having a moment Mm -hmm. in the late 90s there and, like, was a fairly famous, like, young artist and was was dubbed this child prodigy. So, anyway, I understand that. 
she was having that moment and was raised and elevated mm-hmm. for that, right? And still, I think it's important to note that like the amount of elevation a very successful young painter could get in comparison to a TV star or a musician or yeah, any of these to have gotten somebody good. the like the difference of like the most famous young painter is still not as recognizable recognizable mm-hmm. as the like B list hip hop artist in 1999 <laughs> all right or C like they are they are not comparable commodities based on where the youth culture was placing their value yeah. I would say I don't think they would get a musician to do it. They would get a musician to do like they did for the monkeys. I think they'd get a musician to do. And so if they switched years and they did music instead of, but I don't think they would do that because Morgan sings. So why would they put someone who's better than her? Don't say Morgan sings. Like that's a, some defining character development that we've invested in for six years. No, no, no. But I'm saying that she could have been a painter instead. That's fair. But I'm saying the point is that I think they wanted to showcase Lindsay Ridgeway singing. Yeah. And if they brought in someone who was better than her, uh-huh. then it would kind of defeat the purpose. So well, they needed it. So I think they needed it to be someone who didn't sing. So I don't think they would have brought in a musician. And I don't think Boy Meets World had the clout to pull in someone who was more famous. I'm not saying they did. I, I'm saying what I'm getting at here is that I think that your argument that this is some sort of big get, I just still don't think Alexandra Nikita... Has a big enough it's not like, It wasn't like a household name. Like, <laughs> like, okay, it wasn't... Maybe not your house. Obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> but even, like, yeah, I just think that from a marketing standpoint, it's gonna... Unless they were able to get an actor with a bigger following, they're like, let's take advantage of the fact that this person potentially has a following. And even if they don't continue watching the show, every single person in Alexander's hometown is gonna be watching this show because she's on it. Sure. That's fair. So I think it's, I think it was smart marketing from them unless a lot, you were right that if, if they were to get someone who would, would be bigger, like a bigger or more household, bigger household name, then yes, they should have taken advantage of that and created a character for it or even had them do it. Mm-hmm. But I think under the circumstances, I don't think Boy Meets World was popular enough to pull someone who was more popular than Alexander Nikita. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just don't think this episode had any like higher recognition <laughs> value. Higher recognition. But yeah, um, well, I so, feel like we recapped it inadvertently. When I know, we've done that, but I'll do. It's my turn. Or no, do it's turn? my turn. All right, let's do that. <laughs> Actually, no, we recapped it enough. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Three, two, one. They're at an art in museum, and Corey makes some bold, inaccurate statement about this painting. When someone tries to rebut him, he's like, who do you think you are? It's like, I'm Alexander Nikita. I'm actually the artist. Um, so she finds out Corey has a little sister. He takes her home to meet Morgan so they can spend time together. Morgan then says she doesn't want to sing in a talent show because she thinks she's going to lose, and Alexander's like, you should do it anyway because you love it, and that's what makes it important. Meanwhile, Corey gets mad at his dad because he thinks his dad is the one who made him average, when in reality, his dad worked his ass off. You're out of time. So that they could be... That was a... More than. That was... I know, I spent a lot of time on it. You spent a lot in the like in the museum. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's the inciting It is the inciting incident, sure. Far dramatic structure. Um... The real plot here is that Corey's, Corey's mean to his dad. That's <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. And Corey's insecure and Corey's... There's a B plot in this episode, I too. I just... But. 
Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> I feel like all of the B plots or all of like the Eric, Jack, and Rachel, it's kind of like the Oh, same they're just thing shenanigans. Over and over yeah, again. it's just like Eric and Jack put on for Rachel. Rachel yeah. tells them not to put on shenanigans down. Yes, this one is This is where Jack oh, saves, Jack her, saves life. her life. Yeah. She's choking. She's yep. choking. She's chucking to death. She's chucking to death. <laughs> Maybe she just doesn't know the Heimlich maneuver or how to perform it on herself. But if I were choking, I would just start to perform the Heimlich maneuver on myself. And then if someone else is there, mm-hmm. hopefully they would recognize that. And they'd be like, oh. Well, Jack's help. an idiot because this is fairly universal. Yeah, I'm, I'm choking. choking. <laughs> you put your hands up to your neck. Um. I love when... <laughs> I just love that he's like, marry me. <laughs> Eric leaves the room and he's like, marry me. I don't I don't know how she can stand it. I don't think I could do it if no, I were her. it'd be terrible. It'd be, um, it'd be a rough existence to live in a house where two two people are fully obsessed with you and yeah. not shy about it. Yeah, it'd be terrible. I couldn't do that. So what'd you learn in this one? Oh, God. I learned you don't have to be a child prodigy to have a meaningful life. You That's can nice. make your own meaning That's in quaint. Life. You should put that on a throw pillow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you just sew it to a little um, uh, embroider. Uh-huh. Embroider. Embroider. A little hoop. Mm-hmm. Might have to shorten it a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it's just no child prodigies. No child prodigies. <laughs> child prodigy and then a giant red X. It's like X a big, yeah, it. or like yep. the, sim- the circle the, with no, the line. No, smoking <laughs> symbol. <laughs> child prodigies mm. it. fuck right off um that's nice that's quaint it is I, I i didn't really want to it seemed like such a nice pretty package i was like you know what i don't really want to search for a deeper i'm, I'm good with that mm-hmm, i'm good with mm-hmm. like you find your own meaning and uh yeah you don't have to be amazing at one thing to have meaning your mm-hmm. life doesn't need you don't have to be excellent at a singular thing or even multiple things to find a meaning in life mm-hmm. you can do that without all of that extra fluff mm-hmm. it's just such an american um mm-hmm. ideal in that you are you derive meaning in your life based on strictly what you do and your accomplishments in that mm-hmm. doing um you know, like in other places of the world, when you meet somebody, they don't often lead with, and what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right? And then they don't answer with like, oh, I'm a, a, now I can't think of like any job in the world. An accountant. <laughs> I'm an accountant. <laughs> like, and that's if that's like a defining factor. Yeah. It's such an American fucking thing. Um, you know, like Alexandra Nikita is a painter mm-hmm. and is defined by her paintings and her success in painting. Yeah. And Alan is apparently nothing he's a small business owner i don't understand why he's an entrepreneur yeah great father being a real asshole for like absolutely no reason yeah if we had gone through the entire alan stressing out about only being a grocer thing for him only to stay in that grocer position first of all there's nothing wrong with being a grocer and second i would understand a little more why Corey would be upset about his dad like not pursuing his dreams Mm -hmm. being settled with average but alan didn't settle for average he became an entrepreneur and a small business owner and like is running the store successfully and Mm -hmm. oh he just has he has no right no right uh so i learned that um what i think the the key lesson here very much so is that like you you give your life meaning Mm -hmm. um no one no one else it's no one else's responsibility to endow your Mm -hmm. life with with meaning also that it's never too late to discover or rediscover Mm -hmm. that meaning 
it doesn't have to be forever. As Alan says, you know, he's like, when I, you know, at the end, when Alexandra pipes in with, when I held you in my arms, which first off, Eric was born first. So yeah, apparently, I know. <laughs> apparently we didn't find meaning in that one. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, what I derive there is that Alan um, probably previously placed meaning and stake in his life elsewhere mm-hmm. uh for for some time it was probably amy and prior mm-hmm. to that it was perhaps military service or mm-hmm. you know like it's it's an ever-changing ever-evolving um thing and that's again such like an american fucking thing and it's like find the thing you're good at do the thing for your whole goddamn life and achieve the highest level of it mm-hmm. and then die yeah. <laughs> um, rise to the top and right then. it's like, over for you buddy find the thing you're good at before you're 16 get really fucking good at it before you're 22 uh you know and be the best at it mm-hmm. and then burn out and die uh, <laughs> <laughs> like um oh, you know and you life is great, stick yes. with that fucking thing forever and so, yeah, I think that it's just a matter of allowing yourself to, like, find your own meaning in your own life and to allow it to continue to evolve and change as yeah. you do. Um, I know personally for myself that, like, my own uh, search of meanings in my own life, I mean, only at 26, I feel like, has evolved and changed several mm-hmm. times and that I have placed tremendous amount of stock in the pursuit of one thing and then found a lot of meaning and worth in another Mm -hmm. thing. And like, it's, it's about adapting to where that comes through. So yeah. Growth and change. Now in many ways I can relate. Let me actually, all right, I'm going to say I hate Corey in this episode. I think Corey's a piece of shit. I can relate to a feeling at 18, 19 years old of not being good enough at anything Mm -hmm. and not having a strong sense of what I'm going to be good at Mm -hmm. and what to do with that and how to do something with that. And then looking to shift that blame from, or like looking to place blame in general Mm -hmm. on that instead of, I don't know, doing something. Right. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can totally sympathize with like, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm exposing myself to a lot of other people in the world and I'm coming to find out that other people are much better at a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting whatever the hell I might be good at Mm -hmm. because I'm extremely outwardly focused on all these other accomplishments other people have that I don't. Yeah. I don't want to accept responsibility for that. How could it be my fault? You know, they've been playing piano since they were five years Mm -hmm. old and their parents made them stick with it. So Mm -hmm. now they're really good at piano. Yep. You know, like I, I can get that. Yeah. But I can also get that one I do have other talents and and accomplishments and two that like my parents didn't like ruin me or something yeah exactly that's where I draw the line it's like well you take your responsibility for your life okay yeah Yeah. well and even like my parents well I completely agree with you I think the first time if you had asked me when I was in high school if Corey was in the wrong on this, I'd probably be like, no. Like, not mm-hmm. necessarily that he wasn't an asshole, because he is, mm-hmm. and the way he handles it is poor, but all of his sentiment is very, it's relatable. Mm-hmm. Everything that he does and feels and even portrays in this is very relatable because, especially right around that age where you're in college and you're in a bigger pool than high school and all of that, it's scary and intimidating, especially if you're... If you're like us and we're in the arts and it feels like everyone and their mother wants to be an actor or a singer or a dancer, like it feels so oversaturated. 
it's not like going to school and I don't know wanting to become an accountant because I feel like the world. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you if you go into accounting <laughs> school is and like sitting at home, like you have no idea how you find this is. someone else there who's been accounting since they were, since they were born. <laughs> an accountant prodigy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe no. it, I've never been to accounting school. <laughs> oh, but yes, I think um, everything in this relatable everything. With Corey in this episode is relatable. But yeah, he just handles it so... And I would say I never blamed my parents per se. I There were there was an aspect of it because you heard about all these kids, these child stars who like they wanted to act and their parents picked up everything and moved out to mm-hmm. Los Angeles to mm-hmm. like drop everything for their yeah. kid. And I was always like, why didn't my parents want to do that? <laughs> but... Right. With then, like Brie Larson's like at six years old. She's like, I want to act. And mom's like, cool, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> It's one of those things where I did not maybe internalized that and was just like, but then I kind of blamed my surroundings. It's like, well, it's because I'm here in Mm -hmm. central Illinois as opposed to out in Oh yeah. Oh, I for sure blamed it. It was like, well, it's because I was born and raised in like East Tennessee. And if I had been, if I had stayed like in New York City, like, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I'm sure, especially coming from New York. Oh my god, the amount of the amount of times as a teenager, I was like, "Fuck, man, we should have if I if we had stayed in New York, then Uh like all of this would be different or whatever." You know, like, yep, yeah, the ability to like blame blame that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Than like, I don't. Well, and when you're when you are that age, when you're trapped in high school or college, you can't really do anything about it because you need to. You can if you really want to, like. You can pull an Ashton Kutcher and be like, uh, this college thing isn't working out for me. I'm going to move to LA. Yeah. But like at the time when I was watching this, I was still in high school and there's truly nothing I could do about it at that point. I can't move to LA at 16 by myself and my parents sure as hell weren't going to move well, to LA. Well, you could. Just would have yeah, probably been It would have been a shit show and I would have yeah. turned around and come home immediately. Sure. Screaming and crying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so little that you can do about it when you're so young too. You feel trapped and you feel like you need to blame other people because you, you feel like you can't. And now I feel like I'm glad that I did not grow up in an era of like, um, like TikTok and um, I, Instagram caught on my senior year. I got an, an Instagram my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. But even like YouTube was popular before then, but, and we made some videos like me and my friends, but I feel like now if I were growing up, fame is so much more accessible because mm-hmm. of those apps and things like that, that I fear I would have been even more wrecked if fame was that accessible. I almost got to blame the fact that I am not in Hollywood, so I don't have those big opportunities. Uh-huh. And now it's so accessible that I right. feel like I would have been wrecked if mm. I just did not get fame, if I just couldn't find fame at home. Mm. Even in central Illinois, you can be famous because yeah. there's YouTube and TikTok and yeah. Instagram. and Oh, it's a hard world. I'm so sorry, guys. We It's, it's getting harder every single day. <laughs> I feel so bad. I can't imagine. I would have been wrecked. Mm-hmm. I would have been wrecked. It would not have been good. The the uh, my my biggest my big thing was always, and it uh, sometimes still is. But I, I don't blame my parents anymore. But I did for a while actually blame my parents mm-hmm. about letting me quit piano at a oh. young age. <laughs> yep. In, get back into it. Well, and I still play piano, and I and I picked it up again when I was in high school, and have since self taught myself a lot. Like I now teach piano mm-hmm. to a you know to at least one student. It's not something I'm trying to like do with it's my Sarah. life, but like, no, it's not. It's a seven year old. That being said, like I have got myself, what, what I was for a long time was I was pissed off because I was never going to be good enough at piano mm-hmm. to make money 
or like a career or compose or like do that kind of shit with it. It was always going to be something that like I could dabble with. Mm-hmm. And I had to change it in my mind. Like, well, why does it have to be something that like, is mm-hmm. a career? like, why can't I just enjoy playing the piano Yeah, and be like, it make I do it cause it makes me happy. Not mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. I want to be, I have to monetize a great thing at it, you know? And that's how eventually like that was, it used to be how I viewed playing any instrument was like, Oh, I need to get good enough at this to make it of a a career path or open career doors. Which Um, feels like another very American. So American. Your fucking, your hobby has to suddenly become a project that Mm -hmm. is capitalized on. And, uh, it can't just be a fucking hobby. You can't just, you can't just enjoy embroidery. Uh, for pastime, you have to sell your embroidery. You can't just enjoy picking up your guitar. You have to, you know, make videos and promote it and teach guitar lessons and like person gig and be a musician and like all these kinds of things. We, we destroyed hobbies. (laughs) Um, It's very true. That's so unheard of. It's just like a hobby to do for a hobby, for hobby's sake to really do some well, it's not like self care. You know where you know when it's not unheard of though mm. is um, very specifically outdoors oh, okay. hobbies. I thought you were gonna say exercise. Well, exercise and outdoors, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No one expects you to like monetize your camping hobby, your, walk. <laughs> your hike, <laughs> your your hiking hobby. Oh, I'm your... gonna make one dollar if I go yeah. one mile. <laughs> you know, like. Well, I guess I, that's not entirely true. I guess some people do in that, like, you got to blog about it or something. Well, or, that's true. Or sport fishing or yeah. some shit. Or, like, being sponsored for, like, running a marathon or something like that. Sure. But I think, largely speaking, it's, like, if you're, if a lot of your hobbies include exercise and outdoor recreation, mm-hmm. when you talk to people about those hobbies, no one is, like, oh, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. It's, like, oh, well, that's I'm glad that makes that's you happy. Nice. Yeah. Whereas it's, like, if you play an instrument or mm-hmm. you do some sort of artistic visual arts or you... Interesting! Your arts and creativity <laughs> hobbies must then be capitalized Those and monetized. Have to be capitalized. But your exercise, outdoors, and well-being hobbies don't, apparently. Well, now I'm mad. Does that right. make sense? That no, kind of makes sense. No, you're 1,000% right. And yeah. it's a concept that I've never... I've always thought about the back half of that which is yeah if you have an artistic talent they're expecting you to capitalize on it mm-hmm. i've never thought about the inverse of that where it's like oh these other things are not necessarily capitalized on right it. it's mostly just your artistic talents mm-hmm. what yeah. the fuck's up with that yeah what's up with that like if you enjoy baking yeah. or cooking i guess sometimes people but like largely again if you're like oh i like to bake in my free time mm-hmm. then like you know that's great yeah it's a great little hobby no one expects like you could be an accountant who likes to bake a lot in yes. their free time and, like, no one's like, well, why don't you go work in a bakery? Why don't you start mm-hmm. baking, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, why don't you go on the great bakery? Right, but if it's like, oh, I like to play, you know, I'm an accountant, and I like to play guitar at home, it's like, oh, so you're just, like, doing accounting until you can make it big as a guitarist, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know? Like, and why is it assumed that everyone wants to make it big in the arts field? Well, because we're vain, egotistical, Fair. artistic motherfuckers who want everyone <laughs> to appreciate our art. For a long time, I did. I was like, well, I, I wish I were better at acting and piano and guitar so that I could make so it big, some, yeah, you so know, or I wish it. I were a better writer. And eventually I've come around and be like, okay, so all of my instrumental things are pretty much hobbies that I enjoy doing for fun and mm-hmm. release. And I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I've been paid largely to bring those talents to children and that's mm-hmm. fine with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've never made a pursuit of that further. 
writing's different in that I, I have made some money with them. I've made money with writing and, and pursuit more of writing. But anyway, anyway, it's just interesting. I think, yeah, again, was, I wow. totally sympathize with this, like, I'm 18, 19, I don't know what I'm good enough at. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I get all that. But you yep. can't take it on your parents like that. No, no. Well, especially because he doesn't, I mean, he really doesn't have the context of, like, my father swept. I like this is the store where my father swept, which I'm trying to remember when, um, when we saw Corey's grandma in the caravan, Mm -hmm. did we talk about Alan's dad at all? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he comes up. Maybe his parents got divorced and he lived with his dad and his mom only swung around every now and again in her caravan. It sounds right. I'm trying to piece it. There's no reason. Everything, all the continuity has been shot. Right, right. There's no reason that should work, but. But I'm just trying to make it work. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a puzzler. I have to put it, the pieces together. Right. Corey doesn't have that context and like Alan giving him that context is good, but at the same time, it's, (sighs) you shouldn't need it he shouldn't be an asshole in the first place in order for alan to be like i have to take you here and show you and have ingrained in you the lesson you know what i'd really appreciate what the whack on the head here mm-hmm. is not you're not average you're more than average mm-hmm. the whack on the head here is why the fuck is that not good enough yes. for you huh yeah why do you have to be better than that mm-hmm. and if so then go make yourself better than that mm-hmm. you know I like agree. it's not so it's, I appreciate here that like, okay, one, Corey is fucking average. Celery <laughs> right? poster and everything. Let me, let me just make it abundantly clear here that he is a mediocre white oh man. Uh, the, the as, as a mediocre too. white man myself, oh my he is so funny. A, a, a settled for mediocrity mm-hmm. average human. Yeah. And I appreciate that the lesson here is not like, if you want more, mm-hmm then you go fucking get some more. Mm-hmm. It's on you to yeah. do that. It is not on us to bring you past more. that level yes. and to bring you more. We yeah. gave you more than we had. Mm-hmm. And that's what and we that is what we came to do. And that's honestly, <laughs> that is, I would say, the definition of the American dream. Right. This, this has very American dream vibes right. to it, which you said, you've already kind of touched on. This is These are all American ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, but the entire time I was thinking, like, this has very, this has American dream undertones pretty mm-hmm. much throughout. Right. To just Alan want being, more like, for I, your kids mm-hmm. than I had, right? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Right. And of course, to... <laughs> in Sean's case, when he was like, I told my dad he was average once and he was so excited. Yeah, right. like, yeah that's why. Nailed it. Because like, he, he gave you more than he had. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's so funny. It's interesting to me that Corey has never been even like presented. It also would be different, I feel like, if Corey had been presented with an opportunity to be extraordinary and he didn't get to take it for like mm-hmm. a financial reason or for a location reason or something like that. He's never even been given a chance. To be extraordinary. It's just... What do you mean by that? There's nothing... That he doesn't have an avenue of like... Well, he kind of creates an avenue for himself. Why did you make me quit ukulele lessons? Uh-huh. But like, for me specifically, I was like, okay, I can't become a famous actress right now because I'm stuck in central Illinois and I don't have as many options. But it's not even like one avenue. He's like, I just am not extraordinary in general in mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And so... 
I forget what my point was. <laughs> that but he's he's never had like a passion yeah, that so he not failed that he, to pursue because yeah. of him or someone else. Yeah. So it's very interesting to me that he's just blame. It's it's like a blanket. Like he's blaming Alan for everything. Well, I think wrong. I think he's blaming Alan for the fact that he doesn't even have a passion mm. he's failed to pursue. He, no, filmmaking was This is about your filmmaking. I knew it. I knew you were going to come back around to the filmmaking. realty. He loved realty. And Amy could have shown him how to be the most amazing realtor. He like sold that, the condo to the who's it's and what's it's or whatever in that one episode. So here's the deal. All right. There's an interesting, um, there's this interesting idea that if like middle class, truly middle class Americans, not not the fake middle class that is really lower class, but yeah. calls themselves middle class, like myself. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dancing real close like, to that poverty line. Man. Like like myself personally. I'm not saying myself growing up. I am oh, saying yes, myself no. at this current right moment now. of time. <laughs> um, Post-pandemic. Huh? Right. Pre-recession, true middle class, yeah. which did exist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it does anymore. Did exist, right? Which is who we are given in this episode is is Corey's family is like true middle class. Mm-hmm. If you are raised in that, then one, your parents very likely achieved their goal of giving you mm-hmm. more than they had. Yeah. Right. And two, you are now raised squarely in this idea that you are good enough throughout, mm-hmm. and you're not you're not living without. There's this often this idea that like by living without it feeds a hunger to strive for more, right? Mm. And like a very tangible example of that is just has to do with like people who rise out of really dire straits to achieve greatness based on the fact that like in those dire straits they saw more. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're living in the middle class, then you're not given that big like hunger and thirst and want because mm-hmm. you're being like just comfortably met being fed and, and fed yeah. throughout, right? Which I think is part of what we see here, mm-hmm. right? Is That's that fair. like he was living in that. Now, again, that takes some of the onus off of Corey and like puts it on this like society is the evil, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Which is really the underlying theme of this podcast. Society <laughs> is the problem, Society man. is always a problem. Um, anyway, my point here is just that like what, what we are presented with here is a very real fear. Mm-hmm. Like a very human fear of mm-hmm. being unexceptional. Mm-hmm. And I think that that fear is raised even more prominent when you were raised in a decidedly comfortable middle class mm-hmm. uh surrounded by people who are also living comfortably and because if you're if you're raised high above that then you're often surrounded by like powerful wealthy people who are going to uh give you all the tools and resources to live powerfully and wealthily yeah. and whatnot and if you're living below that then you are often observing mm-hmm. and hungry for more and are gonna probably work your you know work your ass off mm-hmm. to achieve and go like bounce over it right yeah. but if you're in the middle there then you're just being comfortably met along the mm-hmm. way and so like i feel like that fear exists in a large population yeah and that's why it resonates so much yeah, but I, I just agree. appreciate that they come around. Yeah, I appreciate that they come around to average is okay. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Right. And even if you do live a very average life and you don't have any outstanding, incredible... If you're not the a child prodigy accountant, then you can still live a very meaningful life. Well, and I think it has a lot to do with like, you know, they and they get into this, like, where do you find meaning in your life? Does it come 
from fame and outward recognition Mm -hmm. or or does it come from your own personal account Mm -hmm. you know i put a lot of stock and meaning in life and i've talked about this before like a lot of it for me comes strictly from friends and how not the television show uh (laughs) friends finds all of his life's purpose in friends Friends. a show that i have critiqued the shit out of several times um sweet sweet matt no my friendships and i like like where do I find meaning and that is that I consider myself to be a very good friend mm-hmm. to other people yes. and that I care about my friends a lot right and that's been something fairly consistent to me for a long time mm-hmm. and then I kind of lost sight of that for a long time because I was like no I find meaning in like being the youngest Tony Award winning <laughs> director <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. like uh, by the time I'm 28 I'm gonna direct a Broadway show and it's gonna be a Pulitzer Prize winner <laughs> like, <laughs> thankfully I've come back around and reassessed um, yeah, that's so anyway all that is to say is that the more meaningful bits of your life, I think, are going to be derived from your personal relationships mm-hmm. and your and your personal connections mm-hmm. than they will be derived from strangers recognizing you. Yeah. yeah I could be wrong. Absolutely. I'm not famous. No. But well, based on what I hear, well, yeah, it doesn't make say, you very happy. It feels <laughs> as though what I hear from people who are more famous is more famous like I have any <laughs> any people who are more famous than people us who are more famous <laughs> than me. Um, but yeah from what I hear from celebrities and stuff like that all of that fame and the money what you think will fulfill you never gets will not you actually yeah it will never get you there or you will always continue to want more it will never be enough so there's I mean you're into in either one of those camps where you're just like I got here mm-hmm. I'm here and now I'm dissatisfied. So what do I do so now? So I'm gonna or it's do like, a lot of drugs well, and I'm end here up killing and, myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it's like I'm here. I think I've arrived, but it could be better. Or you're just like you're trying so hard to get to the top, but there's really like no like what what even would be the top? Like there's no <laughs> like the it. most famous actress I can think of off the top of my head is Meryl Streep. And I think it's only because she has the most Oscar nominations of any actress of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but even she doesn't have the most Oscars of all time. Oh, she's tied with Katherine Hepburn mm-hmm. for the most Oscars of all time. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, does that make you the most? Like, again, that's like outward, like awards recognition. But like maybe if she doesn't have a sense of pride in her work, mm-hmm. even though she's gotten all these Oscar nominations, then mm-hmm. it's probably just going to feel meaningless to her as well well i'd ask you like if she wakes up in the morning and then like you know if i ask her and an accountant which one of them mm-hmm. feels more pride and value in their work mm-hmm. i don't know maybe if i find maybe a very successful passionate accountant then i think they might feel the same oh, i want an accountant to come on this <laughs> i think that'd be so fun this also sounds like every time we say accountant now it sounds like um we're talking about sex workers have you seen that TikTok? Oh, no. There's like a TikTok about... Oh, my God. So there's a TikTok where um, the caption is about like sex work. And it's like, what do you say when people ask you what you do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one asks you where you work when you're an accountant. <laughs> so I say, I'm an accountant. That's what do you fair. do? I'm an accountant. Where do you work? At an accounting office. Yep. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, no one, no one asks good. you further questions. That's like a, that's, no, that was a TikTok bit. That's and good. so now every time we keep saying we're talking about like passionate accountants, I do feel like we're talking about sex workers. <laughs> <laughs> no one asks you. That's and really listen, if point. you're really passionate about your sex work, then good for you. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. <laughs> if you found meaning in that, good for you. Speaking of that, Maitland Ward, if you're listening, come on the show. Oh anyway, <laughs> we bring it back around. It I have a lot around. of notes. Oh, shit. This has been a long one. So I, we know, should, and I, I know. And we do have to do another. So it's true. You can let you go on those. I, yeah. I already touched on the fact that she looks... Oh, where are... Okay, where are Alexander's parents throughout all this? She goes home with a random 18-year-old? <laughs> like... It's fucking what weird. What is happening right it's now? It's fucking weird. It, it is weird. And it's just like a little unsettling. Yeah. Especially after this person was a dick to her for oh no reason. Oh my God, an reason. asshole. No reason. Little girl. Shut the Shut fuck, the fuck oh, up. You're God. 18. Like, oh my God. I think she just slapped him in the face. She should have. Honestly, should've. many times. Yeah. Many times. should have walked out on his dumb ass. I love Sean's reaction when he comes in and Corey's like, he says something about not having any meaning. And Sean's like, oh no, what now? <laughs> <laughs> like Sean's reaction, perfect. Love it. Yeah. And he says, oh, we got to do this shit again. Also, Sean shits on Corey for his pudding obsession in the first episode. Grabs a cup goes of pudding. Goes and gets a cup of pudding out of the fridge. I would just like to call him out on that. What's up with that? I was like, oh, sure. He didn't bring pudding Sean to college. Likes... He ate pudding oh, in the comfort of the Matthew. So where no one can see him. No one can see him. <laughs> oh, I, so that, I was talking, telling you about this earlier. Tabanga has this little pink set. Oh, yeah. Little outfit. Um, I had... Almost that exact outfit growing mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to see some of these like 90s outfits and I'm like, oh, I wore that. <laughs> we also have a boom check. There is a boom check. There is a boom check. I saw it. Rachel's coming down the stairs uh-huh. after Jack is like, Rachel, can you come out here for a second? And right as she's swinging around, it uh, dips, dips in a frame dips a little bit. Area. Yep. Oh, again, I, I can suspend my disbelief only so far. But the fact that Morgan steps on stage with this like- With a boom box. Boom box. With this boombox to sing. I'm like, I can't, I can't do, I can't go there with you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you finish your notes because I want to talk about the talent show in a minute. Okay, yes. Um, this is also the same auditorium as graduation, it which is. I don't think I really, I just never taken a notice on that before, but mm-hmm. I was just like, wait, I recognize those blue curtains. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, the poor Matthews, they just can't even make, they just can't even go to any events anymore. Can't go to events in that All of their kids are just a mess. Without someone being a pain in the ass. Um, and then I do want to talk about the B-plot just a little bit because I don't know how Rachel does it. I, I want to talk about... Time. But let's talk about the talent show. So Corey uh, eventually, theoretically, comes to recognize the lesson here, right? And that is that like he needs to give his life meaning. And that it's not all about him. And then you know what he does? He makes, makes it, it all, all about, about him! him. <laughs> his motherfucker... <sighs> stomps on top of Morgan's moment performance, and performance, yeah. steals it to be about himself, and I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm fucking pissed. You should be. This she's mother- doing a great job. She's too. up here. She's worked up her nerves to get up here and do this, and then Corey thinks that now is the right fucking time to tell his dad that he was an asshole. Yep. And like I'm like, listen, I respect that you want to tell your dad you're an asshole. Shut up. <laughs> Wait until it's over. Don't be an asshole no. to tell your dad you're sorry you were an asshole. Yeah. Well, and even if Morgan had performed and then finished, and then they were like, and that's it. And then Corey had been like, no. I and still would have been, no, I would have been mad. Still would have been mad. I would have been mad, but I would have been less mad. Because Corey, at least he wasn't directly stomping on top of Morgan's performance, just squashing everything. Shouldn't have been there at all. He should, <laughs> well, he should have been there to support his sister. Okay, but fine. he should, <laughs> should not have Shouldn't have said a fucking word. No, should not have. Shut up. Stood up. Asshole. Nothing. I'd be if pissed. he was going to step on anyone's performance, make it that freaking baton, baton girl. girl. Yeah. Who was going to win anyway? So who cares? Yeah. Oh my God. It made me so <laughs> mad. I was like, what a wit. This is the recompense. This is, right. <laughs> this is how you make it right by 
centering yourself again and being a complete asshole and absorbing everyone's time and attention and the fucking worst i know the audacity of a mediocre white man god (laughs) damn it if there's one thing Corey has it's definitely the audacity the audacity oh god for sure I have no idea how Rachel can handle living with Jack and Eric. The audacity. The audacity. <laughs> this I whole mean, episode is just the audacity it is, of, of white mediocre men. white men. <laughs> I just... And their mistreatment just, of women. Yes, it's just so frustrating. In this one specifically. In the next one, in the next one we get a little... It evens out just a little bit, which I like. Um, but in this one, it's so frustrating because they're like doing the dumbest shit and mm-hmm. it and not even in the next one at least they're not like fawning over her and like ugh, like i don't know throwing themselves at her yes they're acting weird and they're like trying to act a certain way mm-hmm. to make sure she wants to stay but they're not throwing themselves at her necessarily yeah. this mm-hmm. one they like when jack i think it's so and it's funny that's the problem with it is because i have such a mixed emotion about it because when eric leaves the room to pee and Jack's like, marry me. I'm like, that's hysterical. But also, stop. Just yeah. chill. Do yeah. less. Back off. <sighs> Pretty when... much always. From the beginning of this series to probably, I don't know, probably three or four episodes from now. I'm with Jack and Eric. I'm like, just do less. Do less. Do less. Yeah. I am excited for them to stop the every episode mm-hmm. plot pining being after. about pining after Rachel. Yeah. Do you think we're coming around soonish? Hopefully, um, I think it. Com- yeah, I think it. It kind of levels out, and then once Jack and Rachel start dating, uh-huh. I think it's going to completely not negate necessarily, but it will be as such where only Eric is like every now and again like Rachel, right? And that's it, right? Yeah. So I'm hoping that's coming around quick because mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I would have loved to have read um, Angela's paper on Oh my god. <laughs> maintaining I black love identity that with line. three very white friends. I love that line. You would know have what? Loved to read it. Angela also has her talents. Writing term papers. <laughs> that's yes. that's where we're Maintaining black identity with three very white friends. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, who's your MVP? Sorry, you know what and I'm just And why is it Alan? No, oh yeah, I mean, it's obviously <laughs> Alan. Sorry, I was just thinking about in the in so we have three episodes in a row where they give Angela a joke line about being black and having a bunch of white friends because in the Stuart episode two episodes from now they're doing the middle name thing oh that's a, that's that episode yeah where they're, they're yeah, talking about where they're, where they're like replacing their name with the street they were born on or whatever and mm-hmm. she says uh, like Martin Luther Shanae. King Boulevard Shanae like a lot of Black stereotype jokes. Yeah, Yeah, it's in the Stewart episode because Corey pushes Stewart through the door immediately afterward. Topanga's like, I have a weird, I have a weird middle name. name. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, right? Yeah, and so that's like three throwaway. That's a good recall. I did not remember that. Yeah, I don't know. It just stands out in my mind, and it's like three throwaway Angela like black culture line jokes. Um, in a row. Anyway. Anyway. Alan's the MVP. Yeah, obviously. Of course he is. Yeah. Hands out. You know why. It's yeah. obvious. He yeah. does He does the work. He does the work. He puts in the work. Right. He does everything shy of... I'm going to give it to Alexander. I'm just kidding. <laughs> everything shy of pushing Corey over and telling him he's oh. a piece of shit. Yeah. Which, honestly, it was was probably tempting mm-hmm. at, at points. Yeah. Every episode. Yeah. I feel like every episode this season, I've, I've found something wrong with Corey. He just... I don't know what it is about him getting to this age where he like has some sort of entitlement over everything in his life, but like he's 
a straight middle class yeah, white boy who's true. been given a lot. That's true. And had never like had to work for the no. things he was given. So I think it's all right there. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, and something that's well, maybe he just never wanted a car or any of the things that Eric wanted. Eric did work for all everything. That <laughs> Eric he got had. a job. Yeah, Eric right. got a job. He worked at the grocery store, and granted, like a little bit of that is nepotism. He probably like the application for that was probably a joke but still he worked hard for what he had then he got a job at the shop at the store he got his internship at the he's part owner tv yeah part owner of that store so it's interesting to me that we didn't watch Corey go through the same thing and i guess we needed Corey to do other things but eric never had a steady girlfriend throughout high school so yes he was taking girls on dates but like not as often i'm sure as Corey is taking topanga on dates yeah. And I guess Corey just didn't really have an interest in a car because Eric was working to buy a car. That right. was the big thing in like season one and two. Yeah, I just ignore that for sure. But Corey and Eric have never been held to the, the same, same standards, standards. That's obviously. True. So that's very true. Anyway, anyway, Let's put a button on her. You can find us on Instagram at the Phoenix Call Podcast. Twitter and Facebook at Phoenix Call. You can send us an email, Phoenix Call Podcast at Gmail, and you can also leave us a voicemail. That could be featured on the show, and that the link for that is in our Instagram bio and in the description of this episode. So let us know. I'm sure everyone uh, probably thinks Corey's an asshole. So everybody hates Corey. Yeah. So let us know how much you hate him too. Mm-hmm. Did you watch a lot of Everybody Hates Chris? I used to watch a lot of that show. I didn't. Oh yeah, I used to love watching Everybody Hates Chris. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of it probably because like that's probably true. It was so far removed from my life, mm-hmm. but I had a blast. That's good. Really That's it. great. Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll do that one next. I, <laughs> I swear to God. No, 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 no. All right, all right, all right. As always, class dismissed.